Welcome to She's Having an Episode, a podcast dedicated to TV's very best female characters. I'm screenwriter Layla London. And I'm writer Ashley O'Leary. And today we are delving into the wonderful world of Phoebe Buffay. Throughout the iconic 10 season run of Friends, Phoebe proved a bit of an enigma from her unorthodox upbringing on the streets of New York to her eventual marriage to none other than Hall Pass favorite Paul Rudd, her distinctive blend of wit, eccentricity, and musical prowess made us go, well, she's having an episode. My beloved Ash, tell me, where do we first meet Phoebe Buffay? Well, we first meet Phoebe in Central Park with Monica, Chandler, and Joey, which we'll soon come to know is their regular setup. And her character, like, so much is done within the first 10 minutes of that episode. I agree. Yeah, like, there's, she doesn't actually speak. She doesn't speak at all. She just does things. Like, for example, uh, what is it? When Ross comes in lamenting the end of his marriage, she kind of tends to spiritual well-being, like picking stuff off his head. Cleansing his aura. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, very on trend. What a, what a fucking, sorry, swear word already. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> excellent way to introduce who that character is. You know immediately who that character is at least 20% of the time, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Stunning work. Yeah, and like, what happens then? Oh yeah, then she sings Raindrop on Roses <laughs> to Rachel later when Rachel comes in in her wedding dress. Um, that histrionics in this, actually. Jesus, yes. two, oh, two marriages ending in very different... I had not really thought about that until now. I haven't like, connected the dots. And Phoebe trying to look after and mother them both. Yeah. The irony of a child who had their mother die at 13 from suicide. It's very, very, very good character work. When, like, realistically, she has no plot at the start of this. No. At all. No. She is just there. She offers a little bit of comic relief. She's the air quotes weird one mm. and they all just sort of let her exist around them it's a very intriguing start um same for joey i suppose joey sort of pres- presents himself as a womanizer from the start but he's not got anything going on yeah. everyone else is dating and grieving these relationships and all the rest and they're just sort of there (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. um i know it's funny because like you are kind of you are just watching this group being like how did they come together i think that i mean it's very obvious how monica and ross came together their brother and sister um but then it's like chandler and joey and i mean phoebe's definitely the awkward night i think there isn't even an episode where she says like, I'm the one that doesn't belong here. But for so many reasons that nobody ever acknowledges, which is largely about her past and her class and how she grew up and how she lives her life as an adult so differently from the other characters, which makes her sort of, yeah, an enigma within that group. Well, what I love is that, like, she is so, she's always herself. She is, she's such a foil, I think, to everyone else, like, striving to be different things to other people. And whereas Phoebe's very much like, no, I'm myself. And I think it's, it's definitely because she's lost a lot early on. She Mm. just had to really make her own way and, um, you know, it's got her that far. So she's just like, what do I need to change? You know, a hundred percent agree. I think the level, so like, let's just talk through Phoebe's trauma here. (sighs) What she experiences is her mother commits suicide. I think Mm. she says her stepfather is in prison. Her actual dad left. She has a sister who has abandoned her both in childhood and as an adult. She's had had a horrible life and I think it's used for comedic effect obviously friends is a comedy but objectively within a group like that that is a really difficult role to play because you do have all of these people around you who are striving for either the perfect relationship or the perfect job and sort of the next big thing in their life and like you say she is pretty happy maybe as a result of all of this difficult experience to just let life 
happen and make the most of her day to day. She's not really at any point striving for something very specific. She sort of lets life happen. She helps her friend. She's an excellent friend. And isn't that a wonderful character to see in a show that is filled with people who are like middle, upper class, desperate to succeed and ruining all the relationships? Yeah, I know. But that's, you know, it's so weird to have that person exist in New York. Even, you know, that person typically has like an Instagram account these days with like, and it's like striving for a million followers that they can get like people to like sign up to their classes. They can make money and pay the rent. There's a hustle involved. Whereas like, but then again, this is the nineties where clearly that is not even a factor. Like there's no worry about, um, I don't know. The, the money question is not really. I mean, they all have very nice apartments for like have very normal jobs. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. they are definitely not worried about money in the no. same way. Even Joey, who is literally, you know, I think, I can't remember when he joined States of Our Lives, but at some point he is literally a struggling actor and has his own bedroom in a nice apartment in Manhattan. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little unrealistic. Well, I think what makes sense that of Monica and Ross, they inherited that apartment from their great aunt. Yeah. I mean, oh, could you? Absolutely. I know. <laughs> like where a beautiful purple apartment. I know. <laughs> I know with so much space and loads of light. Like as somebody who lived in New York, mm. how has friends colored your experience or vice versa? Has your experience changed how you watch the show? Hmm. I think friends absolutely influenced my vision of New York before moving there. Mm. I had this real, I, but I think that goes for so many people. They just have like images in their head of hanging out in a coffee shop with friends. And it's just yeah. like you go to a coffee shop today and everyone's just plugged into their laptops with their headphones on. Like no, no one's hanging around in this big ass <laughs> circle. Like maybe deep down in bed stuff. Like <laughs> not on Lower East Side. No, no. Yeah, uh, I started rewatching it triggered some. Like, sorry, triggered is a very like inflammatory word. You can be triggered too. <laughs> it just um provoked very uh it got me all like a bit wispy or like teary-eyed for like oh the New York that like it presents I think you know what it presents such an innocent view of New York. It's mm. so it's almost like pure quote unquote. Um and it's so it's so wholesome the whole thing. It's just people like hanging out with their friends. Yeah. And uh in a city that's like offers so much fun, but they choose to like they have their fun, but they always like circle back to the friends and regroup. hundred percent. You know, I think my my version of New York was so not like that. I didn't have like such a tight circle of friends to like circle back to and um uh, but I think it's hard for anyone in New York, you know, to find any sort of community. And any big city, right? Yeah, any big city. Yeah, it is really hard. Um, when I was watching it, and I was like, oh, the New York that, you know, only existed in, like, a, 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 a fantasy land, really. Like, it just... It's so joyful to watch. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it definitely messed us all up. Yeah. 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 We all thought, oh, when I move to that big city, I will also have this enormously tight circle of friends who are at my house daily. Alas, reality struck. Um, you speak about the the hard parts of New York, and I think it's interesting, especially within Phoebe, to sort of be the only place the show really touches on it, like the homelessness. She also mugged Ross. <laughs> Oh my gosh, in, did. Yeah. in that time. Yeah, yeah. And that's brought up, obviously, for comedy. And it is fucking hilarious. But that is that is a small glimmer of the real New York, right? These are the parts that we don't see throughout the show where everyone's dating very rich people and having wild adventures to different places. Like what we see with Phoebe is the person who works sort of a, you know, low-key job as a masseuse somebody who's in the bar trying to sing their songs who's lived on the streets who's maybe done some crime like that's that's new york that's part of the wild culture that also exists and draws people there because it is sort of a dangerous city and she's that character she's yeah. the only person we really see that in mm, yeah although 
I feel like New York today is not as dangerous as it once was, you know? Do you not? No. Like, I just think, like, it's gotten... I don't know, there's been a lot of gentrification. It hasn't kind of sanitized. Like, it used to be a lot more rough and ready. Are Sorry. you kidding me? Like, yeah, the crackdown on drugs is real. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it weird that nobody in Friends ever does drugs? Am I right in thinking that? I like think these are, like, young 20... I think 20-ish people yeah. at the start. They sort of go into their 30s by the end, right? Nobody's ever, like, doing drugs or drunk. That's actually very weird. I haven't really thought about this. No, Shirley saw... No, Rachel got drunk and in the nightdress. Was it? Was that that nighty? And she was waiting for that guy. Um, and he, he comes home with the boyfriend. And he comes home with the parents. Was she a bit boozed? She's wearing negligee on the fucking piano. Oh, it's and a, a fantastic episode. Um, that dress is iconic. Uh... No, there's, a few, there's, there's definitely a few drunken moments. Like Chandler, but, but also terrible things happen when they're drunk. They're not just sitting around drinking. They're never at a bar because they're always drinking coffee, right? God, this realization. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm like, but we're all out at the bars all the time. Maybe that's the 10 sort of years difference between us as a generation and the generation before. Maybe they were all chilling, drinking coffee with each other. Maybe we're just like, I think we need the hard stuff, <laughs> actually. That is, uh, you're right. I mean, that's why, in a way, that's why it's such a wholesome image of New York. <laughs> yeah. Oh, They're sober. <laughs> They're sober. They're just <laughs> looking for love. <laughs> that, yeah. that is fucking wild. Um, yeah, I don't remember seeing Phoebe drunk ever. I'm trying no, to think I, of like. I also Phoebe wouldn't drink. I feel like she microdoses. <laughs> Yeah, 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 that's so true. God, for oh, today she, would she be does, she does she does um like not you know magic teas or whatever. Yes, yeah, she, oh, does, she for sure. She would. definitely does mushroom tea. She would definitely invite people over and like give them that tea instead of the tea they're asking for too, just that's to really like watch chaos happen. She's a, back to Phoebe. She's a little bit chaotic. Do we think? Oh. <laughs> she, she's not organized in the slightest. No, no, but in a delightful way. Yeah. In the way that's charming. Yes. She's so incredibly likable as a person. And I think her place within that group is fascinating. Because again, you know, everyone is so driven. Everyone is so connected. Joey, probably similarly othered. I mean, like Chandler was in college with Ross. They all grew up together besides Joey. Joey's just sort of Chandler's roommate. But... She doesn't live in the same building. She has had this very different childhood. It's sort of fascinating, all of the things that other her and like understanding her place within that group, like why are those people friends with her? Is a question as I've sort of rewatched a few episodes and like, where, where did she come in to that group and stick so hard? What was it that she did or didn't do that made them hold on to her so tight as somebody who, you know, enters quite a close-knit group mm. otherwise. Um, I think it's really fascinating. Do you have any theories? I don't know. Apparently it's about to be like, did you find the answer? Like, I have <laughs> um, I do wonder about the writers and like what they're experiencing. So actually, um, when Friends was first in creation, the plans for, uh, the show is meant to focus on Monica, Joey, Ross and Rachel with Monica and Joey originally set to be the main love interest of the show. What? Yeah. <laughs> so that means Phoebe and Chandler were only going to be supporting characters that would occasionally show up. Mm. Yeah, but then the writers The trauma characters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, that's really funny. Yeah. Sorry. But uh, um, yeah, but it just like, it wouldn't have been the same without them. That is fascinating. Yeah. I would say like, this is where, this is the power of an actor and a really good performance. Oh, Lisa Kudrow, man. I know, and Chandler, um, Matthew Perry. Matthew Perry, like unreal. The, the fact is, they brought something to those characters that made that made the writers think, "Oh shit, there's more to this character than I initially thought." Definitely. Yeah, yeah. My low-key <laughs> terrible theory okay, <laughs> that I'm just curating right now okay. is, I think. These people who are middle class, who are sort of unlikable in a lot of ways, I think Phoebe makes them feel better about themselves. 
Oh, I I absolutely agree. Because I was actually this kind of like crossed my mind earlier as a boy else they keep her around. It's like they can like compare themselves to her and be like, well, you know, at least. I, it's a way yeah it's a way from at least I'm sensible at least I'm achieving things it's like that sort of again like people driven to big cities very ambitious very driven her being the opposite is something comfortable and different and cozy that's never going to threaten their identity yeah. it's never going to make them feel bad is it just a friend who would and again because she's a fantastic friend and we'll go into that <laughs> but um she's not threatening really no. as a person and i think in those spaces when you're in these really tight-knit groups that's sort of the only way you would infiltrate isn't it yeah but also because sometimes you do just need like a soft friend you need someone who like there you know there's no judgment you know like she's like phoebe's not gonna judge you mm. and so they're actually incredibly fortunate to have her in that space because they do all the like quote unquote normal shit that like you know all the like trials and tribulations of life that she has no interest really in well i say nothing to solve that only for entertainment yeah (laughs) you know what i mean it's like she is so true like she doesn't threaten their status or she's a little bit of a therapist isn't she well no another thing is like she tends their spiritual well-being you know she's feet when they're like (laughs) You know, like when dates go awry, it's like, well, wouldn't you keep that friend around? Yeah. <laughs> Lena, weren't you such my feature every now and then, you know? I will put it in the back of my brain as mm, something to think about. Yeah. Can't promise anything. Probably going nowhere, but I will give it the attention it deserves. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, no, but you're so right. I think tending to their spiritual wellness, even though they're reluctant, it still feels good, right? She always makes them feel good. She always asks interesting, unexpected questions. She always makes them think differently about their scenarios. I think even in that maybe first or second episode, she just flat out tells Rachel all the drama that had happened in her life. first episode. That's it. Yeah. And even though they sort of ignore it and it's a little bit of a joke, it gives her perspective. She thinks she's going through a terrible scenario because she has left a man at the altar and she now has to find a job and work on herself and all the stress of having to take responsibility for your own life. And Phoebe basically says, well, I had to take responsibility for my life at 14 years old. And these are all the terrible things that happened. And though it's delivered in a way that's not, but you might want to think about all of these other things that could have happened. It gives her perspective and she moves forward. And I think it's an excellent friend to have around to go, you don't need to be worried as much as you are about this small thing that's happening to you right now, even if it feels big, right? Mm-hmm. That sort of, I don't know, self-awareness, emotional intelligence is rare in people and maybe uncomfortable, which is why they tend to ignore her whims and I air quotes again, outbursts, but very useful. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Yeah, because actually, um, I noted that down here. Uh, <laughs> I have my notes. Um, Look at you preparing. I know, so professional. Um, yeah, that's what Rachel's cutting up her credit cards. Like, you know, she's becoming independent from her parents. She can't use Danny's card anymore. <laughs> here. Um, yeah, so Phoebe commiserates, saying, you know, it's hard to be on your own for the first time and tells her mom commits suicide. Stepdad went back to prison and she came to New York when she was 14. And then she found aromatherapy. And it was all fine. <laughs> <laughs> and that, honestly, those first few episodes do such heavy lifting. It's incredible and how much we understand. That was the one at that, that, that credit card thing. Yeah, that's all. Isn't that unbelievable? Mm. They just don't do sitcoms like they did with Friends, man. R.I.P. <laughs> like, I would watch. Of all the sex in the cities and things that have gotten reboots, like, put, give me Phoebe Buffet, you know, wandering around New York as an adult with Paul Rudd. Like, Oh, I would see that. I would watch the shit. Out of the I'd actually be, show. but I'd, I'd find that they Okay, there's no way she could just like fuck around New York now. Like she, it's like where are you getting that? She's his money, I suppose. Because the thing is, like, 
Interesting. Back then, life was not that expensive. In, um, um, actually, I don't know. It's more expensive than they portrayed. <laughs> that is for damn shit. The thing is, it's just like, if she's just like, you know, lopping around New York. It's like, <laughs> it's like, you gotta have some money coming in somewhere, you know? Oh my God, I would love to see Phoebe and Mike in high society just like pissing people off all the time. That would be... But you know what? Do you know, but they would fit into high society purely because of their quirks. They'd be like, oh, it's that couple. Yeah. Oh, people turn a blind eye to that shit yes. in those circles. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. She, you know, she can apparently can read others' aura. She remembers her past life. She reads tea leaves. And, um, you know, oh, you know, question, you know, can she really do these things? Or is it her child? Really, like um, in her childhood did she learn to steal and lie exceptionally well as her being a con artist oh interesting which is fitting because New York is the home of the con artist <laughs> do you know what would be fascinating what? if all of this spirituality was a con to make them safe so she could actually just rob them <laughs> And then at some point, fuck, we should just keep her around. Oh, they're good friends. Okay, fine. But are they good friends? Or is Phoebe the only person actually being a good friend? God, so many, so many theories, actually. If she was a con artist, excellent job. Could have robbed any of them at any time. The thing is, like, it wouldn't be like, if, you know, if it, I mean, she mugged her off. I mean, the signs are there. The signs are there. <laughs> they laid the groundwork so hard. Yeah. And we're all ignoring it. Season 11, purely Phoebe and Mike running away with all of them. Like, did, didn't she, did she, she dumped all the lottery tickets, right? Yes. Off thing. I mean, who, who's to know? She didn't actually put the winning ticket. Like, if there was someone down below catching up, I don't know. Like, <laughs> Like if Paul Rudd is down like the long game, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's like you can imagine these like like dots being connected if uh that oh, were the case. If I, she did absolutely that's so the HBO version of this show too, isn't it? Yeah. God, I would love that. Actually something just crossed my mind there as you know, we're saying like you know, it's important she attempts her spiritual well being because I think it's like but I was thinking how New York is the most like spiritually blank city like it's actually spiritually um what's the word i'm thinking of it, uh, it has a spiritual deficit that's it yeah 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 and so that's why you have people like turning to aromatherapy reading auras reading past lives mm. you have people like seeking other means of spirituality and so and it all and it all manifests in character of Phoebe mm. but and then but it's so relevant for today because you see a huge rise in the interest of that now there's a resurgence in that god it's so true yeah it's fascinating though isn't it because I think there, there obviously there is this heavy spirituality that comes up all the time there is a hard edge to her she really calls people out on their shit and yeah. I think one of the things sort of looking at you know They've got 10 years of Phoebe available on Netflix if y'all want to go have a watch. Um, but the thing that pops up over and over again is she is desperate for people to be honest, for the truth to come out. She is like as, as sort of obsessive, compulsive and controlling as Monica may be. Mm. Phoebe has a lot of the same instincts, but she does it with words. So like when... Ross and Rachel kiss and he's dating Julie at the time. She literally sings a song about Ross and Rachel kissing in front of her and being like, oh, it's not true, but holding them to account for their behaviors. When Chandler and Monica are having their sort of salacious affair, she tries to get them to be true and honest by hitting on Chandler. And why would he not? Like she's, she does all of these sort of funny, small things. But with either, I think, the idea that she just needs everything out there and up front all the time. Mm. Or she gets a massive kick out of making people uncomfortable, which is also absolutely hilarious. You remind like, just the way you describe that, it just reminds me of um, the version of Venice or something. Like, it's a very Shakespearean. Like, you have the characters, like always like pushing the truth to the surface in like different means that in these riddles mm. and rhymes um 
that uh you know like only that it's like the reader understands but the other characters can't make sense of it yes yeah she's like an old crone yes like a shakespearean crone yeah but yeah. like a hot one. Oh yeah <laughs> what a, in, what in like nineties guys yeah oh, yeah is that yeah that's such a good read mm. oh, i love that <laughs> do you have any any more wonderful theories relating to books <laughs> No, that just kind of cropped up into my mind as you were like explaining it. You oh. can't just turn the tap on and off, Leila. No, like, I it know. Just comes when it comes. The genius <laughs> is just bubbling under the surface at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's so true, though. She, she is really, and I think again, like that goes into a lot of the love side of the show and the relationship drama and. It's fascinating, I think, not to jump <laughs> the whole show ahead, but she is sort of the reason Rachel and Ross eventually get together too. Like she seems to have a sort of constant presence in everyone's romantic life, whether that's in an advice capacity or playing with people to get them to be honest about their emotions. But the reason that Rachel ends up sort of getting off the plane is Phoebe calling to be like, the plane's broken. Like she, <laughs> she's <laughs> so <laughs> meddling. And in a sort of old crone Shakespearean way, she's mm. fucking shit up left, right and center, but the intention is very pure. Mm. I just think that's really interesting in a person. Yeah. And then none of them hate her for it because they always get what they want. Yeah, the but they also can never really get mad at Phoebe. They never, it's no. like, they just, they know, yeah, because they know the intention is really well-meaning, and it's just her, like, aura. I don't know, you just can't get mad at her. No, definitely not. And she, she's done mad things, yeah. <laughs> right? Things that would infuriate you, but they're never harmful. They're never truly hurtful. She's very selfless. Yeah, that is so true. I think it's very hard to be mad at a person who is actually pretty selfless. Yeah, you're right. She's the only selfless character because everyone else is so wrapped up in their own shit, like a normal mm. human. Whereas she is not really. Like, that's so unusual in a person. Truly. Yeah. To the degree where she will literally have her brother's babies. Like, on what? what? <laughs> Were they on acid when they wrote that storyline? What the actual fuck? I honestly think this show takes such large reaches yeah with like what it does to people's lives but i believe phoebe would do that do you know what i mean like it sort of doesn't make sense and it also makes a lot of sense because of course phoebe would have her brother's babies because that's his romantic path right he really loves her he really wants to have babies with her she has the tools for lack of a better word mm it's it's a selfless thing to do and she proves again and again that she's willing to go there mm. for the people she loves yeah it's mad i'm just thinking about person like she is such a mother and, and like the important but just thinking about the importance of her as a woman like her body being able to do these things to like i think Excellent. i'm just thinking about like motherhood as a theme as it is uh, in her character throughout the episodes, mm. whether it's taking care of her friends when they're hurt or give, literally giving her body so she can provide her uh, brother with kids. Like she's renting out her womb essentially. Like you're so The absence of her, the mother in her life. And she's like, she's she, become the mother. Yeah. She became her own mother. She sort of became, became the mother. mother she didn't have. Yep. Yeah. Oh man, that hits so deep. <laughs> I feel it. She absolutely did become the mother she didn't have. You've nailed it so hard. Like the box is closed, filled with nails. She understands. <laughs> <laughs> because the the theme of motherhood is enormous in everyone's story right and she's always again a sort of old crone voice of wisdom and understanding like when rachel at monica's wedding is taking the pregnancy test and i don't remember what happens i think she throws it into the trash and phoebe picks it up to read it she tells her that she's not pregnant 
And then she feels really upset and asks, am I, uh, is that true? Is that what it says? And she said, no. And it's the biggest shock moment. It's an excellent reveal. And she says, now you know how you really feel about it. And is that exactly the thing a mother would do? Be like, I need you to feel your feelings. I need you to know that you want to be a mother. It's just, it's like a very, it's very spot on, Ash. Mm. 10 out of 10. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Even the idea that she's so eccentric, isn't she, as a person? Like, she's not outwardly maternal. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she, (laughs) looking at her, the way she acts outwardly, like, it's, um, it's like that thing of, like, what's your start? Like, what's your sun? What's your rising? And what's your sun? What's your moon? Like, I think she presents as, like, really like scatty and um you know just like just a bit a little bit yeah chaotic disorganized really caring we wouldn't put mother on her no but like in her core she is mother she is she cares she just that thing about the selflessness that's motherhood yeah she represents the theme without having to have the, the product. Mm, the <laughs> you see how I feel about mother. <laughs> the thing that comes out of you. Um, yeah, no, spot on. And also even the idea that all of these things that she's built up in her life has really made her feel like, you know, she doesn't care about marriage and she isn't really driven romantically, doesn't take a you know, genius to understand why that relates to her childhood. Mm. But there is a point with her and I just keep calling him Paul Rudd because I love him so much. Mm. Uh, Mike Hannigan, (laughs) where they're supposed to sort of donate their wedding fund because she doesn't really want a big wedding and then realizes she does because she has this massive desire for family. Mm. And that's a big revelation to herself about herself because she's always put in this selfless caring maternal role where her needs aren't paramount and if she wanted to have a wedding she would never really think about it um and that's just a massive step for her and it makes it so much more romantic when they get married far more than any other sort of marriage or whatever it is in the show because you see that growth in that person understanding that they have needs too and they might want things that they've subverted even if it's only been subverted by being maternal to their friends yeah well, i think you know wanted but like also like definitely squashed deep deep down because she maybe never thought that she deserved it or could never let herself believe that she could have that mm. Be- yeah and then she got paul Rudd. yeah i know oh, speaking of <laughs> he wasn't meant to be the last love stop it yeah who was meant to be her last love uh can you guess David. Was it David? Mm, yeah. Yeah, see that I wouldn't have liked that. Yeah, no, so when David appeared, most fans thought he and Phoebe would end up together. That was the original plan. Uh Paul Rudd was so charming uh that the creators of the show decided to keep him on as Phoebe's last love. I think he's only meant to be like one or two dates. Oh. Um oh my god, the actor who played David admitted it did sting a little bit. <laughs> When he found out that he had been replaced. Um, oh my God, imagine. Well, as an actor, you'd be so bummed. Wouldn't you? would be like, I'm going to be this big love story for this excellent character. Nope. Yeah, no. giving that to the hot guy you're over like, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're <laughs> like, you're the prelude, honey. <laughs> mm-hmm. But also their relationship is fascinating, right? Mm. Because I think as much as sort of, I think Phoebe was heartbroken through the, <laughs> the Minskness of it all, I think that she was never purely focused on romantic love. Yeah. She wasn't aspiring to it in the way her, all of her friends were. No. Right? They were really focused on all the dates and mm. all the encounters. And but I want babies and I want to get married and all the feelings. When they're all trying on wedding dresses, she's just like jazzed to be in a fucking dress. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah. She's not going, oh, I really need it the way that other characters might have been and isn't that refreshing for a show that (laughs) found its feet in the 90s Mm, 
What did we say? What do you mean by that? I, I think the assumption, particularly in sitcoms, was that, and with maybe the exception of Seinfeld, that women were there to be the mates to men and that that was their sort of comedy, I don't even know, scope. The scope for comedy for women was who are they going to end up with? How many terrible dates can they go? I mean, that was, to be fair, Elaine and Seinfeld was a lot of terrible dates, Um, but all with this aspiration that eventually they would get married and settle down. And Phoebe never really prioritizes that for herself. She's just trying to live well, feel good, have a nice time with her friends. In a way, in a way, isn't it a bit shit? Because it's just like they all have the traditional outcome. Like, in a way, you know, they all get married. It's, it is a bit of a, like, it's all very heteronormative. It's all very tidy. Oh, of course. I mean, like, <laughs> let's be clear. Friends is not the most woke show. <laughs> that ever yeah. However, it is a show of its time. True. And I think the the stretches they made with, I mean, like, I would give them credit, Ross's wife becoming a lesbian and then still having a baby Mm. and then also having a second baby with a woman that he was not in a relationship with and not married to. Like, that is pushing a boundary. Not all the boundaries, not all the necessary boundaries, but there was there was some I think positive intent in the the way they displayed relationships. No, you're right. I agree because with that I was like, wow, I cannot believe that was the nineties when he was. I think it was the second episode, wasn't it? When what was the end of the first episode? It was one of the first two where he finds out she's pregnant anyway, and that you know, second episode, his parents come to town, and he like Monica is like, just like please tell the parents to get them off my back. Yes, like, yes. you know, your life is not perfect. But of course, the mother's just like, and you didn't tell Monica. <laughs> oh god! Oh my god! Judy, Judy. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, no, yeah, I just thought that that is a very progressive storyline. It is, yeah, yeah, and, and the fact that that's a reality for women out there, and they can do it, and they don't need a man. That's it. it mm. And I think so. Maybe the progressive work wasn't always done with the core six Mm. but there was there was moments in there and actually I think like Phoebe really encourages a lot of the progression in everyone around her to understand their boundaries and how they feel and she's just very she's a very millennial gal for (laughs) not a millennial does Phoebe have boundaries does Phoebe have boundaries I don't think she does with her friends Mm. I think she sets clear boundaries with men even though they're difficult with her which is also massive tick box for the buffet camp but no friends no what she does set boundaries on which i found really interesting looking at some of the some of the episodes over the years Mm -hmm. um her belief system is fairly staunch from the start right she's very spiritual she's after the environment she mm. is like if somebody throws a cigarette in a thing on the street she's going to call them out on it she's very reactive yeah has very clear personal beliefs and boundaries they become a little more flexible i think as she goes and with like rachel in the pottery barn episode where she can't believe she got it at a flea market and then she's distraught and then she's sort of okay with it i think her boundaries and her beliefs change and i don't know if that's a positive or negative thing it may be a more mature thing maybe a way to show sort of growth in her character but from the start to the end she's definitely more accepting of things and i don't know if that's intentional you're so right about the pottery barn thing like yeah there's like some moments where like it is really jarring to see phoebe angry mm. i think that was that's like that was a moment yeah that definitely sticks in my mind of her being like really angry like i think like refusing to talk to rachel or something like i, I don't know like it was like a bit of a like 
Like, Isn't it fun to watch her be angry? Yeah, that's very fun. It, don't, it doesn't happen often enough, which is why it, like, yeah. you know, used sparingly, it's very effective. Mm. Um, but then you're, it's, you're, the fact that she comes to accept it is kind of like a funny thing on, like, the capitalist America will just come and get you in the end. You know? <laughs> it's like Amazon, it's you know? Like, people will be, like, I'm boycotting Amazon, but it's like, the thing is, once you sign up and you start using Amazon, once it is in your life, yeah, it is like experiencing flying first class. It, if it's just not having it anymore, it is yours. Like I am massively downgrading my life. <laughs> what a waste! I have to walk to get things. <laughs> I know, no, it's in like obviously Jeff Bezos is an absolute dick, and it's like but it's so annoying how You're he created a like a genuinely useful service. service. Yeah, it's just why. <laughs> Mackenzie Bezos is pretty good with her investments. And this is so such a sidetrack. Wow. Let's sorry. reel it back in, Layla. Sorry. Oh no, she was the she was the wife. Um oh, yeah, but she yeah, spends yeah. her money well and he does not. Of course he um, doesn't. But, oh my gosh, which reminds me <laughs> about Phoebe. You know the episode. And I should have written the title of it down. But there is an episode. I do not remember what season it is. But everyone's roles sort of reverse Mm. in this strange world where I don't know what the reason it happens is. It may have just been a random episode. But they didn't meet each other in the same way or someone didn't do something and it changed everyone's trajectory. Like maybe what would have happened if a character was dead. And Phoebe is like boss bitch of America. Yes. Because nobody has quite as significant a jump in their personality or their life as Phoebe does. And mm. again, maybe reading too far into it, but isn't that why we're here? The idea that maybe she could do absolutely anything she wanted and something in her in the lifetime we experience over 10 years just went i know i could be a ceo but i just don't think i want to mm. and i really I, I really like that's an idea love that that her life is so split into two parallels that of course she'd be capable of running a company mm. but um, she doesn't want to no i know she because she is a multi-talented lady, she has had multiple jobs <laughs> on this show. She has mentioned working as a sombrero maker, a phone sex operator, a masseuse, a caterer, a TV extra, and a Dairy Queen. At a Dairy Queen. Oh, she also got f- featured in a music album. God, it's good, isn't it? Mm, yeah. She's a Jill of all trades. I feel like that is just like classic i feel like in new york you people doing all sorts of odd odd jobs like yes making ends meet this is her again being real new york yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. like of course she made some brands real new york you're still not hanging out in a coffee shop (laughs) you are you are off making sombreros (laughs) you are your on the phone having sex you are you know, just like you are not, you're not hanging out in Central Fair. Like yeah, maybe the odd Saturday or Sunday. But even then you're like having a lie in because they're so knackered from all the sombreros or all the people you got off over the phone. So true, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And where's Ursula, her um, her evil twin? I love the call Ursula. It's classic like villain name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and obviously... Not that I have to explain this, but I feel like it's important to explain. Also played by Lisa Goodrow, um, <laughs> is, is the most fascinating dynamic ever. And the fact that, and you, you just reminded me of this talking about jobs, Ursula does porn under Phoebe's name. Yes! The, the women <laughs> of today would lose their fucking minds if anyone dared. And again, Phoebe's just like, stupid like okay we'll move on with it like she she watched people her friends watch a video assuming it was her having sex would would that not be reason for an entire limited drama like in in and of itself like her storylines are so broad i'm just like 
just really adds to the magic that SVB. Have no, have no real points to share. No, but you're so, like, God, I love it. You're so sorry. If someone was making porn with my fucking name or your name, like you'd lose your mind. You'd be like taking it to court. A hundred No way you're letting that go down. Not oh, but the, I, yeah. But that's the nineties. I suppose like things are on like VCR and whatnot. <laughs> it's a whole different world. <laughs> No, no, of course. Not. Rachel be like allowing her sister Monica to have a fucking shit show. Absolutely, yeah. It would like, be a much much that's a normal deal. reaction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be a much bigger deal. And again, it goes to her sort of like calm, even in the face of these massive things. In fact, speaking of angry Phoebe, I feel like we're jumping all over the place. And by we, I mean me. Um, the angry Phoebe that we see most angry was when everyone shows up late or distracted to her birthday yes. dinner, right? And I found that so emblematic of who she is as a person, right? She gives them everything. She asks for nothing. So of course, the moment we see her at her worst, it's because they're taking the piss. And it's such good character work because of course we see it building and we see it bubbling, but that episode is basically a reflection of over the last nine or 10 years or whatever season that happened in, she put everyone first. And the one time she said, can we all celebrate me? Nobody showed up. Nobody did what they were supposed to do, which is heartbreaking. Um, just a really strong reflection of her character, yeah. I think. And the journey that she'd been on, being so selfless, so maternal, mm. and asking, like many mothers do, for that one little piece of time or patience or moment, and then never getting it. It's always it's a very striking scene. Um, always when the birthday person is by themselves at, at their own party, it's really I, it always strikes a chord in everyone because we've always had the we've. We've all experienced some moment of loneliness that corresponds to that, whether that did actually happen to them mm. or like, I mean, to you or some other event where something similar happened and like, and certain people you were counting on didn't show up for you. Like, I, like, I, I think we've all been there. Yeah. Um, yeah. For Phoebe and, you know, someone who's normally so loving and passive, no, passive but the, you know, just, who does it? Accepting. Does, it doesn't she doesn't um go off the handle mm. you know she's like not a very temperamental person or... even when they're making fun of her to her face right yeah and she is the butt of their jokes a lot mm. the same way joey is yeah the same way those sort of broad comedy characters always are yeah but after yeah after so many years you know somebody so well in a show like this that of course they have to have their moment when they're <laughs> when they're being sidelined by everyone else's interests in yeah. their own lives and what's going on with them. Yeah. And she's always understanding until, you know, she isn't. I just think it's a very human way to look at that character and mm. how she would have reacted in that moment. Yeah. So you don't really take her seriously. No. Really, from a, like most of the series. And then with that, it's like, oh, right. It's a, <laughs> There's a human in there. Yeah, you're She's a whole person. You're a whole meaning. Shit. No, it's so it's so right. And it's yeah, it's heartbreaking take, but beautiful writing. They take it for granted. Yeah. That is it. They take it for granted. And she knows that, doesn't she? Which mm. is why I think she keeps her separate life and she's never you know, always bringing her dates to the table when everyone else is talking about them or what happened at work or all the things they're all sharing with each other all the time. She's more witnessing because in a few months, she's going to rob them all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is it. Yeah, no, I was just thinking there about her song, Smelly Cat, and I'm like, is she the cat? Oh, she's Smelly Cat aromatherapy. <laughs> <laughs> As in Smelly in a good way. She's like, maybe she is. Maybe Phoebe is smelling cat. She's just a homeless cat. Like, you know, she's found her little, you know, stray family, her New York family. Oh. Yeah. And, you know, she's just like, they've taken her in. What are they feeding you? What bullshit are they feeding you? It's not your fault. Oh, Phoebe. In lyrics. Oh. That's, the, that's the whole song, isn't it? What are they feeding you? It's not your fault. It's not your fault. That's basically, isn't it? You're obviously not their favourite pet. 
Medicast, Medicast, not your fault. <laughs> you may not be a bed of roses. You're not friend to those with noses. Oh, I the smell. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> i miss you before we're done. Or the world will smell as one. Oh my god, baby, a smelly cow. Are we done? One, two, what's that smell? I think I'm going to be sick. It's your ears and nose and pick. Part of it, tempt me. One, two, what's that smell? I feel like this is the version that got like recorded and released, right? Because none of these lyrics ring familiar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All the dogs in the neighborhood are saying this for your own good. What? You're fat, so you can't run. No fun, I bet. No fun. <laughs> smelly cat, smelly cat. Porno makes you eat like that. I saw you in the shopping mall. Smelly cat, smelly cat. It's not your fault. Smelly cat, smelly cat. It's not your fault. Smelly cat, smelly cat, it's not your fault. I mean, it's a lot to unpack. I know. <laughs> ah. um, my, my... Sorry, porno makes you eat like that. I saw you in the shopping mall. It's foreshadowing, isn't it? It's Ursula. It's Ursula. Yeah. Man. Oh, my God. So if this wasn't a conscious decision, I think that I will be gobsmacked because this just seems like the most genius theory I've ever heard. Well, that she is Melly That cat. she is Melly Cat. I think it makes sense. I think, I think it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she is a cat. She is a homeless cat. She's a stray. And they adopted her. And that's why they're like, oh, that she's she's just that thing that doesn't quite fit, but fits in at the same time, you know? They want they want to be as good as she is. They want to, they want to feel good yeah. because they've taken in this stray cat. Oh, my God. <laughs> Not in Janet's voice. Oh my god! <laughs> I, I literally didn't mean to do that. Um, fantastic theories. What are they feeding you? It's not your fault. If anyone's got any thoughts, feel free to email <laughs> hello at she's having an episode.com. Yeah, we'd love to hear your theories on <laughs> the show that ended 20 years ago. Yes, is Phoebe Smelly Cat? Please let us know. Um, Good lord, okay, we're almost at an hour. Let's... Okay, the Chandler parallel, talk me through that. Right, so I've made this little note which Ash has seen talking about the Chandler parallel, and I think <laughs> this is a, another half baked theory for your audio pleasure. But Chandler has outwardly said that he's been traumatized by his childhood, right? He's the only other character that's been like, it was the worst. Obviously, Monica was overweight and bullied and struggled, mm -hmm. but she's taken control of that in a very specific way, and she doesn't blame it for anything. Chandler blames pretty much everything he does on the trauma of his parents divorcing, and Phoebe has objectively gone through much, much, much worse and doesn't blame anything she's done her. the work she has done so much work she's in her past life regression and this is the chandler parallel where you have two characters mm -hmm. who don't necessarily feel always confident who are very specific in the way they present themselves to the world but one is using comedy as a defense mechanism the other is using it to bring joy and to nurture the people they love mm such a strong reflection of how, generally speaking, men and women approach the things that have ne negatively affected them in their life. Some turn it into their personality, that personality becomes a defense mechanism. And I think because the way the world is set up, women tend to have to do the work either introspectively or externally with the people around them to work through the stuff that has affected them um and that's my half big theory well the thing is who would phoebe have talked to i don't think she's gone to a therapist i there's no friends that i know of that she would have unpacked all that shit with like there's no way monica was there teasing out her the fact her stepdad went to prison and mom committed suicide they did not tease that out together no there's no way i'm just like so i'm like so I think she's she to me she's completely compartmentalized that section of her life. So maybe her work is not therapy. 
maybe it's telling everyone everything that's happened to her and exactly how she feels in situations and being the therapist for others so she doesn't have to necessarily do it herself learning from her experiences by helping people through theirs perhaps a theory um but also during that time where obviously she couldn't speak to therapists or whoever she's talking to people on the streets who i'm sure had similar experiences who i mean in, in this fantasy world i've created where she has this broad circle of people that she was speaking to about all the hardships at that same time she was teaching herself french it's like she's a fucking genius she you know what i mean like i cannot remember that okay. oh yeah she because at one point she has to teach joey how to speak french is this because she's married to canadian Ice skate. Is he from Quebec? She did. The relationship to that. Was he from Quebec? I don't know. He was definitely Canadian. All oh, right. So she's lived a million lives. Yeah, she has. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we And she settled on this one with these yeah. ungrateful friends for reasons we don't understand. Yeah, yeah. But in this time, she had no formal education. She is mm. able to write books, speak French. Do you know what? She is a modern day hustler, can I just say? She is a modern day hustler. She's a husband, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Maz, you're right. Maz, she's she has no formal education. That is actually like I don't like I hate. Is that like it's quite rare today to meet that, especially in New York. Well, mm, not in the New York you were in. (laughs) No, this is very true. Yes, I moved through private circles because we were all educated. Yeah, yeah. And that it is a massive privilege to be educated. Yeah. And the fact that she got so far without it is... Taught herself guitar. Mm. Like, all of these skills that just sort of pop up throughout this 10-year tenure is always surprising. Probably because you assume the average person who didn't have a formal education, who had hardship after hardship, didn't have the resources. And yet... Phoebe found a way and she's more skilled than most people I know (laughs) and isn't that aspirational in a sense when all of these other people are aspiring for something very specific and they want to get to the next rung of their job and they want you know a wedding or a baby or whatever for her just to always do it Mm. hustle it and not have to make a big deal about that accomplishment because she can do pretty much anything You know, I am really curious at how she like works through it. I don't know. <laughs> but did she go to therapy? I know. I <laughs> Any final thoughts on Miss Phoebe Buffet? Hannigan, banana hammock. For the you know, the creators of the show originally imagined Phoebe as a goth girl. Did they? Mm-hmm, but they turned the idea down later while they were filming the show. With Lisa Kutrow. Yeah. God. I know. Oh, it'd be so different, wouldn't it? In the show, Phoebe has dated 16 people, which is one less than Joey. Oh, yeah. Love it. What a sexually empowered woman. Well yeah. done, Phoebe. I know, but for someone who's like romantic, you know, for whom romantic love didn't seem to be, be a, she's probably, you know, looking for a companion. Oh, yeah, she was, she was definitely sleeping around, wasn't she? Yeah. We never got, she didn't scream sex to me. Do you know, like, a really, to me, like, she didn't seem like the most sexual person. Oh, see, my read on her is just, like, kink. I think she's absolutely filthy. I think that's why Mike Hannigan loves her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that repressed Upper East Side boy is like, way! Gosh, you're right. <laughs> you're right. Yeah. So, apparently, Matt LeBlanc and Lisa Kudrow pitched the idea to the show that Phoebe and Joey were secretly hooking up the entire time. Oh, I I know that. Actually, I can see that. Oh, for sure. I can totally see that. Then, yeah, and just for this role, she won the Primetime Emmy Award and also got nominated for a Golden Globe for her exceptional role as Phoebe. Oh, in a well done, Lisa. Stellar she is. She she's such a phenomenal actor. I just think she really embodied that role to such oh, a degree. Didn't guess she? who else uh, were up for the role? Oh, who? Kathy Griffin. What? Mm-hmm. And Jane Lynch. Oh, I love Jane Lynch. I know, but she, no, she's too tall. I think you need, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like Phoebe actually is a little bit daintier. And mm. I know, I know Lisa is a tall woman, but I just feel like, because there's something so like sprite-like about mm. Phoebe, even though she is quite tall and 
you know, she like I think Jane was just, would have been the wrong wrong fit for that. I think it yeah, it wouldn't have been the balance that is so charming within truly. Yeah. Like I know we've shot on a lot of the other friends, <laughs> but it's an excellent group. Really brings a lot out of each other all together, and yeah, just I really couldn't imagine anyone but Lisa. I could kind of see Kathy. I just wouldn't like it. I feel like I'm <laughs> just like no. Yeah, it was funny though. I feel like in White Lotus, I feel I could see Lisa Cutro play Jennifer Coolidge's role. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, they both have iconic energy. Yeah, there is just you. You know, in real life, they're the sort of people who like delight a room by entering it. Just have yeah. such a strong charisma. Even in interviews, obviously, Lisa is very different from her character but she's still on it and charismatic and interesting and unique in a way that you just can't sort of act that you can't bring that to something if you don't have it as a person anyway I think that's part of the charm isn't it and I love Jane Lynch we'll definitely do a Sue Sylvester episode um but yeah I just wouldn't have it wouldn't have been the same no it definitely wouldn't have it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been the same feel yeah yeah some good ass facts Ash more than welcome happy to help happy to help right as we close out this stunning first episode of your new favorite podcast uh, we must ask that you give us a little review if you've liked this and the next two upcoming episodes it will really really help us get the word out when we have absolutely no resources to do that otherwise <laughs> uh so we'd really appreciate a follow a review and yeah do feel free to email and if us. you haven't done it by now please subscribe <laughs> on your podcast platform of choice Thank you. Kindly. Yes. And yes, any any thoughts and suggestions, uh, please email us, hello at she's having an episode.com. We also have about 200 other characters we're keen to cover, uh, but we may have missed yours. So do send in your personal favorite female characters. See you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>